There is your seated. If you'll go with me to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 5. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 5. And we're going to begin our reading at verse number 14. I feel like the Lord has laid a thought on my heart today. The Gospel of Mark, the fifth chapter. And we'll begin our reading at verse number 14. I'm going to read today from the NIV version, the New International Version. But feel free to read along with whatever you have available to you. You can join us with the reading on the screen. And this is how it reads. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus... They saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. The story is about Jesus delivering power, but some folks could not get their minds off the pigs. The story is not about the pigs. It's about the demon-possessed man. We'll get there in a little bit. And so they had said what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. They were more concerned with the pigs than Jesus delivering power. Uh-oh. Verse 18 as Jesus was getting into the boat, again, he was being dismissed. He was being told to get out of here, Jesus. He's getting into the boat, and the man who had been possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has, has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him and all the people were amazed. I want to preach to you for a few moments from a simple thought that we've entitled Delivered to Make a Difference. Delivered to Make a Difference. Look at somebody, tell them you've been delivered to make a difference. After a liberating encounter with Jesus Christ, the man of our text, his life would never be the same again. He was completely delivered by God to then go and deliver the good news of what he had just experienced. I believe Jesus wants to work in us just as he did in this man. There are things that we need to be set free from. There are areas of our lives that Jesus wants to heal. He wants to transform us. Do you believe that with all of your heart? That it's the will of Almighty God to set us free from whatever hinders us? to bring victory to not just some area of our life, but every area of our life to change us through his mighty power. I believe that. He wants to transform us, but to also transform us 
to make us into witnesses of his power. So today we need to examine our hearts and our current situations through the filter of God's word and respond to Christ's life-transforming power that's already active and available to us because he truly wants to transform us and deliver us. And so in our story, this is a very powerful story and we may not hit all the important aspects of it, but for today I want us to focus on four responses that we find in verses 14 through 18. Jesus shows up ready to deliver, ready to bless, ready to heal, and the people respond in four different ways. And I want us to look at them closely with the help of the Lord. So when Jesus shows up and transforms people's lives, number one, some are appalled. When Jesus arrives with his disciples, the Bible says in Mark chapter 5, verse number 1, that they crossed the lake to the region of the Gadarenes or the Gerasenes. And he's met immediately by an unruly, demon-possessed man. So let's catch ourselves up a little bit here in our story. Go with me in the same chapter, Mark chapter 5. Let's read beginning at verse number 9. Then Jesus asked him, what is your name? And the demons in him respond, my name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. Legion was a military term that was used in the time of the Romans to specify anywhere between 5,000 plus soldiers. And so this guy had a lot of demons. But let's just break it down here because somebody said, well, I don't have a lot of demons, Pastor, so I'm good. Let's just break it down to where we are. Some, this guy had a lot of issues. All right, now, now we're in the neighborhood, right? We're, we're getting close to where some of us live. Because it's easy to dismiss this chapter in the Bible, especially for some of us holy, sanctified folks. Can we say, well, I ain't got any demons. Yeah, but you got a lot of issues. We got a lot of problems in our life. So maybe this guy had a legion of demons, but we got a legion of issues. And so he says, we're many. Verse number 10. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. These demons had been here for a while and they were comfortable. How many of you know that what you don't confront in your life will build its nest in your heart? These demons said, please don't let us leave here. We like it here. We're comfortable here. Nobody messes with us here. We've been to a lot of places all over the world, but right here we're good. Please don't send us away out of the area. Verse number 11, and a large herd of pigs was feeding on a nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. Verse 13, and he gave them permission. I love this. Because the demons had to ask permission from Jesus. I'm here to tell you that the highest power and the greatest authority in our world is still the Lord Jesus Christ. He has all power. He rules and reigns in heaven. And he also rules and reigns over the earth. 
The demons begged Jesus, and Jesus gave them permission. Look at what it says. And the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those who were tending to the pigs left and went and complained to everyone else what had happened to their pigs. I mean, Jesus shows up and the town demon-possessed guy the guy that everybody knew, the guy that was always a bother, the guy that as he approached you, you walked to the other side of the street. That's the guy. He was delivered. He was set free. And the only thing that these guys took away from all of this was we lost our pigs. Guys, why are you so sad? We lost our pigs. We lost our little side hustle. They were afraid. They were upset. They were disappointed. Look at verses 16 and 17. The same chapter of Mark 5. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs. So there was a group of people that were running away because this guy was yelling and making all kinds of noises. Jesus confronts him, delivers him, and a group of people run away. And the group says, hey guys, there's this man over here that set the demon-possessed person free. Really, what happened? Hey, hey, hey. The other group goes, hey, don't forget about the pigs. Verse 17. Then the people begin to plead with Jesus to leave their region. When the pig farmers encountered Jesus... They were appalled. They were taken back. They were offended. Their own income was taken away. They could have cared less about the poor man just healed of, demon, of demonic possession. They only cared about themselves. They were simply appalled by the difference that Jesus brought to their life. They weren't supposed to be farming pigs in the first place. I mean, I, I think I probably overthink things too much, but I'm looking at that and saying, how do you herd pigs? I mean, pigs have a pig's pen. They're not herded. You herd sheep, you herd cattle, but you don't herd pigs. These guys were in the wrong job, doing the wrong thing. Jesus delivered them from that mess, and they were upset that he got rid of their pigs. Today, a great many people will not surrender to Jesus because of the changes he may send their way. There are some people, I believe, that know that Jesus is a healer. There are some folks that I believe that know that Jesus is real, that know that he has the power to save. But you want to know why some of them won't come to Jesus? Because he's going to bring some changes to their life. I believe that. I'm not one of those naive folks that believes that half the world doesn't know about Jesus. With all the media that we have available to us and information at our disposal, a lot of people know who Jesus is. A lot of people connected to us know who Jesus is. And I'm not going to say many, but there are some that don't want to come to him. You used to be there. You remember that? You didn't want to give up that beer, that alcohol. You didn't want to give up that lifestyle. You didn't want to give up that way of living. 
And so there are some folks that know if I start going to church, I'm going to have to stop cussing. I'm going to have to start being nice. I'm going to have to start changing the way I dress. There's some places I won't be able to go. And I don't want that kind of change right now. Things are kind of going good for me. So I'll just stay away from the church. I'll just stay away from Jesus. But can I tell you the greatest decision that you can ever make in your life is to come to Jesus just the way that you are with all of your legions of issues, with all of your problems and let Jesus make a difference in your life. Because we hear it and the people's reasons why they don't give their lives to Jesus. We hear people say, well, I have to give up so much. What will my friends and my family think if I give my life to Jesus? I don't know if I'm ready to change. I often wonder what might have happened if the pig farmers had not been appalled, but just simply would have believed. Could the Lord have possibly doubled their herds later? Could not have Jesus blessed them with a better job and a better source of income? But they couldn't be blessed because they were so busy being offended. God couldn't bring better into their life because they were crying about what they lost. And there's some folks that God can't bless you. I just pause because like, wait a minute, God wants to bless me, pastor. But there's some folks that God can't bless you because you're still crying over what you lost. God wants to bring a new relationship into your life, but you're still crying about the one you just lost. God wants to bring better things for you and your family, but you're so busy like Lot's wife looking back at what God has burned. So let me just show this into your heart. Put that up on the screen. Don't be afraid of what you might lose. Turn your attention on what you might gain in return. Some folks are worried if I, if I get baptized in Jesus' name, I'm going to have to change. If I come back to church, then things might have to be different. If I really surrender, then so much is going to happen. Get your mind off of what you might lose and focus on the possibility of all that Jesus wants to bring into your life in return. What kind of things? Eternal life, joy unspeakable and full of glory. Peace in your mind, peace in your heart, hope in you peace in your home Jesus has this to give you and so much more but I might have to go home and break up with that person well if they're no good for you you should have broke up with them already and I've said this before and I say it again be careful because your pastor has a breakup spirit on him I start getting around some folks that shouldn't be together and it just, it just gets on them and they break up. And I say praise God because if it's God's will, it'll work. And if it's not, you're better today than you were yesterday. And so we're so busy crying about what we're, where we're going to lose and what we might lose instead of understanding God has so much more to give me. 
problem was that the pig farmers had only themselves in mind. They couldn't get beyond the moment and certainly had no desire to do things differently. Let me ask you a question here today. How do you feel at the prospect of Jesus stepping into your life and changing things? Are there some things you will not give him to change? Like your priorities, your lifestyle, maybe certain hobbies, certain forms of entertainment, your weekends, your relationships, your friendships. Is there something that you're not ready for Jesus to change? That's what happened to these pig farmers. They were appalled at what they lost. But can I tell you, while some may be appalled at the thought of Jesus making a difference in their lives, the second thing, some are afraid. The first group was appalled. The next group was afraid. Go with me now to verses 14 and 15 again of Mark chapter 5. Look at what it says. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. And all the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and delivered in other words. Look what the Bible says. And they were afraid. When the swine herders went into town and told the people, all the people came out to find the crazy man whom no one could help or control, sitting calmly, dressed neatly, and talking coherently. It scared them. It scared them that there was among them someone powerful enough to bring about such a dramatic transformation so quickly when no one else could accomplish anything. And so their fear came from the fact that they had never seen anything like that before. This man's deliverance made those around him uncomfortable. Can I tell you, the moment Jesus steps into your life and breaks the change, chains and disconnects you from your past and gives you a new identity, saves you and fills you with his spirit, that's going to make some folks uncomfortable. All of a sudden, they're going to feel a little weird around you. They're going to see you in the elevator and they're going to take the other one. They're going to see your name on the phone when you're calling them and they're not going to answer. Why? Because the deliverance in you makes them uncomfortable. Let me break it down a little bit more. The deliverance in you makes the demons in them uncomfortable. Because that spirit of alcoholism that used to get a hold of your life, God has set you free from them, but they're still struggling with it. That drug addiction that used to have a hold on your heart is now in them, but God set you free from them. That lifestyle, that way of living and thinking, you used to live with them, but now you're free. And it's going to make them uncomfortable. But I'm here to tell you, if my deliverance 
makes someone else uncomfortable that's between them and the Lord I'm free I'm saved I'm on my way to heaven my life is better now because of Jesus is there anybody in the building whose life is better now because of Jesus could you lift up your hands and give him praise we're not trying to make people uncomfortable we're not trying to scare people away but if Jesus has delivered us then we've got to tell somebody about it if Jesus has set us free it can't just stay with us someone else has to partake of it hallelujah So when God starts to work in a situation, people start getting uncomfortable. Instead of being excited for you, they get uncomfortable. Wait a minute, you don't drink anymore? All those years and I'm free. Wow, that's weird. So, So you're not coming for me on Friday night? No, wow. That's weird. Because you always come for me on Friday night. You're always more than willing to pay my tab. And now all of a sudden, you're holy now. Now all of a sudden, you're too good for us. It's not that I'm too good. It's not that I'm holy. It's that I met Jesus along the way. And I came to him and he said, what's your name? I said, Legion, I've got a lot of issues. I've got a lot of hangups, but it didn't scare Jesus. Oh my God, I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost. My issues didn't scare Jesus away. My issues didn't make Jesus uncomfortable. He delivered me. He saved me. He filled me with his spirit. I don't know about you, but I'm so glad my problems didn't scare Jesus away. I'm so glad my past didn't make Jesus uncomfortable. I'm so glad that my sin didn't make Jesus feel weird. Oh, I know I got some witnesses in the building. He's delivered us. He saved us. He's filled us with his spirit. my issues didn't make Jesus uncomfortable my problems didn't make Jesus run away and maybe you're in this room today and you say preacher I'm like that man I've got a legion of issues I've got a legion of problems I got a legion of circumstances. Can I tell you, it won't make Jesus uncomfortable. And honestly, it won't make us uncomfortable. Because if he did it for us, he can do it for you. I just want to know real quick. Is there anybody here that Jesus sets you free from a legion of issues? A legion of problems, a legion of the family drama. He delivered you, and if he could deliver these folks, he could deliver anybody under the sound of my voice. 
My God, I feel delivering power in the building. I feel chain breaking, yoke destroying, anointing in this house. Jesus is a deliverer. Somebody lift your hands for a second. I feel deliverance walking into this building right now. I feel deliverance moving in this sanctuary right now. Jesus is not uncomfortable. Jesus is not afraid. Jesus is not thrown off by the issues of your life. He's a deliverer. But, but, but you don't know what I've done, preacher. He's a deliverer. You don't know what my record looks like. He's a deliverer. You don't know where I've been and the people that I've been with. I'm here to tell you my God is a deliverer. He's a deliverer. Isn't that right, Pastor Rusi? That when the world gives up on you, Jesus will never give up on you. When society gives up on you, Jesus won't give up on you. When the correctional institutions give up on you, Jesus will never give up on you. I'm so glad that Jesus isn't afraid of my issues. What I've come to understand, just give me a few moments and I'll wrap this up. So where does this fear come from? Can I tell you the fear of change can be rooted in our fear of the unknown. I've never seen this before. I've never experienced anything like that, what you're talking about. So some folks say it just might be better that I just take a step back. So our fear holds us back from experiencing something life-changing. We all know the famous quote from President Franklin Delano Roosevelt. He said the following, we have nothing to fear but fear itself. Fear is a very destructive force and Satan knows that. And he's trying to strike fear into the hearts of mankind everywhere. But understand something, my dear brothers, sisters, and friends. Fear is the opposite of faith. The complete opposite of faith is not doubt. It's not unbelief. The complete opposite of faith, according to Jesus, is fear. Let me give you an example. Go with me to Mark 4. And verse number 40, Jesus says to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Here, he's drawing out the balance, the balance of power here. And he's saying, look, if you've got faith, then you shouldn't have fear. But if fear is operating in your life, then you can't have faith. That's what he's saying. But the beautiful thing is any ounce of faith that you have 
can eradicate fear from your situation. Fear of failure, fear of dying, fear of being overwhelmed by the problems of life, fear of never amounting to anything, fear of not accomplishing what you've set out to accomplish, whatever fear possesses your life today, if you can believe with anything inside of you, it will send fear right out of your life. Because wherever there is faith, there can't be any ounce of fear. Those who were fearful of Jesus sent him away. But my concern was that Jesus should not have been sent away. He should have been received. They should have invited him into their lives and experienced the deliverance he wanted to bring them. Likewise, we should invite Jesus into our lives. Invite his deliverance and transformation. Don't dismiss Jesus, my dear brother and friend. Don't dismiss this message as another sermon on a Sunday. Invite him in. And when you invite him in, you invite his delivering power to work in your life. So some are appalled by the differences Jesus wishes to make in their lives. Others afraid. Qual, number three, some are appreciative. Look at verses 18 and 19 with me of Mark 5. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him but said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Looking from the perspective of the demoniac, one would think that he would be appreciative. He had nothing to lose and had just gained everything. With nowhere to go, he might as well have just followed Jesus Christ. But Jesus had another mission for him. To tell the whole nation about what had just happened in his life. He did it because he was very appreciative. He begged Jesus, let me go with you. Let me follow you. I'll follow you wherever you go. Jesus, no, 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 no. What I need you to do is to go home and tell all your friends and family what you have received. And his gratitude did not make him frustrated. Well, I wanted to go with Jesus. Why wouldn't he not let me go with him? No, 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 no. His gratitude caused him to say, I'll do exactly what you're telling me to do, Jesus. He was so glad. He was so thrilled, so different because of Christ that anything Jesus wanted him to do, he did so joyfully, enthusiastically, and diligently. Can I tell you, when you have had a true life-changing experience with Jesus, you will be willing to follow him wherever he leads, but not only that you'll do it with passion and gratitude he was so thankful that he was now delivered he was so thankful that he was now set free that he said I'll do it Jesus I'll go I'll go and do what you're telling me but he also was willing to do it with passion with enthusiasm what are you trying to tell us simply this transformation leads you to commitment when Jesus has truly changed you, 
You don't want anything else. When true transformation comes into your heart, comes into your mind, and breaks the chains and sets you free, you say, from here, I'm not going anywhere. Why? Because I was trying to get out of that stuff for years, and now Jesus has delivered me. You can't get me to go back. I've been begging Jesus to take those thoughts out of my mind. I've been begging Jesus to take those cravings out of me. And now that he's delivered me, now that he's set me free, I'm not going back. That's what Jesus wants to do. I was praying for him to take that desire away. And then he takes it away. And you have an opportunity in that moment to say, I'm committing to Jesus. I'm not going back to the bar. I'm not going back to the neighborhood. I'm not going back to those people. I'm not going back to that lifestyle. He's changed me. I'll follow him wherever he wants me to go. I'll do whatever he's asking me to do. Does anybody here know what I'm talking about today? I'm not saying we're perfect. I'm not saying we've never messed up. I'm not saying we've never had doubts. But when Jesus came in, something clicked. And we said, I'm not going back. I'm going to serve him. I'm going to passionately live for him. After the disciples were changed by their encounter with Christ, they were willing to leave everything and follow Jesus. When Jesus changes you, you'll want to serve him. Your response should be to give him your life. When he delivers you, breaks the chains of bondage, then the automatic response is, I'll serve him. For the rest of my life, I'll live for Jesus. Whatever he wants me to do, I'll do. Wherever he wants me to go, I'll go. And that may sound simple, but that kind of prayer is powerful. How do you know it's so powerful? I stand before you as a result of those kind of prayers. I said, Jesus, if you could ever deliver me from depression, if you could ever deliver me from bitterness and resentment, I'll serve you and I'll live for you. And at the age of 14, I prayed that prayer and dove in to the purposes and plans of God and haven't looked back. And there are many in this building that prayed a similar kind of prayer and he delivered you and you gave him your life and you're here today as a testimony of God's delivering power if you've ever prayed a prayer like that could you just wave your hand as a witness and as a grateful believer he did it he delivered me he set me free and I told the Lord whatever you want me to do wherever you want me to go and guess what he took me up on the offer and he's taken me to a lot of places I never thought I would be much less standing before you here today. When I spent two years of my life fighting against this, saying, Lord, I don't want to be in the ministry. I don't want to be a preacher. Anything else but a preacher, Jesus. And you said, nope. Remember? You said whatever. Every now and again, and I'm just going to be transparent with you, all right? Every now and again, God reminds me of the many prayers I prayed at this altar. 
we, and, and maybe, maybe we flippantly come in here and say, Lord, wherever you want me to go, Jesus. The sermon tugs your heart. The atmosphere gets you moving. Jesus, I'll do anything. And he says, anything? Well, not that, Lord. I mean, I said anything, but I didn't mean anything. I just said it because that's what you say when you go to the altar. And I'm talking to somebody because you've said that. And he's been tugging at you and you're saying, no, 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 no. Anything but that, Pastor. And God says, remember when you responded as a youth to that message and you came to the altar and you said, Lord, wherever you want me to go. Somebody's being reminded, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Somebody's being reminded of a youth camp service right now. Somebody's being reminded of a service early in their Christian walk when they came to this altar and they said, anything, Jesus. But you've been fighting the will of God. You've been fighting the purposes of God. And the Lord brought this preacher, changed my message just for you so that you could understand that if he calls you, you go. If he tells you to say it, you say it. If he tells you to do it, you do it. If he opens that door, you just walk through it. Because remember, you said anything. Look at somebody real quick and tell them, don't you remember you said anything? I feel the Holy Ghost now. It's getting real. Well, Pastor, I, I just said it because what everybody says. You came to this altar that one day and you told Jesus, I'll do it. Whatever you want my family and I to do, we'll do it. Oh, God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Wherever you want us to go, Jesus will go. That's how this thing works. It's not a science. It's not rocket science. It's not something hidden away for a few. This is how the call of God works. You come to an altar just like this, and you say, Jesus, I'll go. Jesus, I'll do it. And he opens the doors, and he sends you. And you get so busy in the work of the kingdom that one day you look up and go, how in the world did I get here? All because you said anything. Genuine change will cause you to be grateful. The psalmist put it like this in Psalm 104 and 5. Enter in his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name for the Lord is good. Gratitude flows from God's goodness. I can't take for granted God's goodness. My response to God changing me, delivering me and saving me is gratitude and appreciation. And as I get ready to close, some are appalled by the changes Christ makes. Some are afraid. Some are appreciative. And lastly, some are amazed. Go with me now to Mark 5 and 20. So the man went away after Jesus told him to go. And began to tell in the Decapolis. This was a, a region of ten cities. How much Jesus had done for him. And watch what happened. And all the people were amazed. Jesus delivered this man. For the very reason of going back to one of the most unevangelized areas of the known world and said, go back to that area 
Go back to tell your family. That's where he was from. Go tell your family. Go tell your friends all that you have received. And so he did exactly what Jesus said. And guess what? All the people were amazed. Jesus sent him back to his hometown to be a witness or a testimony of Christ's power. The result is that people were amazed at what God had done. Can I tell you, my dear brothers and friends, after God transforms you, you're responsible to go back to your family, loved ones, and friends and tell them what Jesus has done for you. Why, preacher? Because God wants to amaze some people in your life. How dare us keep this to ourselves? How dare us go incognito after he delivers us and saves us and fills us with the Holy Ghost? We got to go right back to our families. We got to go right back to our friends and tell them all that Jesus has done for us. And this is where God is taking PFAC. To now go and share what we have here with everybody else. It's time for us to bring our friends and families to church. It's time for us to bring our coworkers and our neighbors to church. It's time to go tell those loved ones that we haven't talked to in a while. Look at what Jesus has done. Look how he delivered me. Look how he brought me out of those things. And if he can do it in my life, he can do it for you. God wants to amaze some people in your life. How is he going to do that? You want to know how he's going to do it? By changing you. By delivering you. By healing you. By saving you. By blessing you. And then send you back as a witness of his power. Why? There's nothing more powerful than a personal testimony. That's why they still show those infomercials. Now they do them on social media and different online platforms. I started doing this, and this was the before. And then look at now how I am after. And everybody's like, wow, buy, purchase, overnight delivery. Because we're enamored by transformation. We're enamored by change. Especially if it looks like it works. And Jesus says, I'm delivering you. And I'm saving you. To give you a personal testimony that is exclusive to you that no one else can tell like you can. And you go as the author of that personal testimony and you go tell your family. God's not asking you to preach to them out of the whole word of God. He's not asking you to give them a Bible study of the 18 doctrinal points. He's just asking you, you go and tell them all that Jesus has done for you. And here's the point. You can give it to me on the screen. Your story has the power to amaze people. There's something about a personal testimony that people go, you? Yeah, you, me? Really? You don't look like that. No, not anymore. Jesus delivered me. Jesus saved me. And guess what? Just like with this demoniac of the Gadarenes, people will be amazed. 
and Jesus. I just feel it inside of me with every fiber in my being that he wants to amaze people in this last hour. He wants to amaze some doctors. He wants to amaze some lawyers. He wants to amaze some family members. He wants to amaze some neighborhoods, some towns, some cities. With what? With what Jesus has done in your life. So I'm commissioning you today by the Holy Ghost to leave this service today and go and tell somebody. I'm commissioning you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ as your pastor this week. Find somebody and tell them all that God has done in your life. But pastor, my testimony isn't as amazing as that other brother's. My testimony isn't that amazing as that other sister's. But can I tell you, it's your testimony. It's what God has done for you and it will leave people amazed. Get on social media. And it's time to flip the script on social media and use it as a platform to share the goodness of Jesus. There's all kinds of garbage and all kinds of nonsense on these different platforms. It's time for some apostolic people to say, I'm going to share my testimony. I'm going to start posting some of those old pictures that I've been ashamed of. But now I'm going to post the new pictures of what Jesus has done in my life and let the world see the before and the after that only Jesus can do. Why? Because God wants to amaze some people. The pianist would come. It's time for our families to be amazed. It's time for our community to be amazed. And I close. What difference can one testimony make? Let's do a little bit more reading before I leave you today. Mark chapter 7 verse 31. Watch what happens here. This is after the demoniac of the Gadarenes did some evangelizing, possibly some door knocking, some outdoor preaching, sat in on a couple of tables and shared his testimony with some family members and friends. Jesus then leaves the area. Look what it says, what it says Mark 7, 31. Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon down to the Sea of Galilee and into the region of the Decapolis. Jesus hadn't gone there yet. But he sent a messenger ahead to prepare the soil. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Because where the message is declared, Jesus will always come and confirm. Oh, you missed it. I said when the, where the message of Jesus is declared, Jesus will come right behind and confirm that preached message with signs, wonders, and miracles. So Jesus, oh my God, I'm trying to finish this. He, and into the region of the Decapolis, verse 32. There are some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk. And they begged Jesus to place his hand on him. Verse 33. After he took him aside away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears. Then he spit and touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to him, Apaphatha, which means be opened. 
At this, the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosed, and he began to speak plainly. Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone, but the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. Verse 37, people were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. What happened? The man went there and said, Jesus did it for me. And when Jesus showed up, they said, do it for us too, Jesus. And they brought the sick and he healed them. They brought the possessed and he delivered them. And there was overwhelming amazement. I'm here to tell you that right before the trumpet sounds, all over this world, there's going to be overwhelming amazement at the works of Jesus. Not about how big we are and how great we are. Not about how special PFAC is. No. There's going to be overwhelming amazement. And said it was Jesus. He's the healer. It's Jesus. He's the deliverer. It's Jesus. He's the son. God wants to amaze some people. Would you stand with me today? This revival, if I could so boldly call it, in Decapolis, happened because one man went back home. Not only was the region of the Gadarenes impacted, but also nine other cities. This area went from sending Jesus away to welcoming him with open arms. And bringing their sick to him to heal. Never underestimate what one witness for Jesus can do. Pastor, I, I can't speak like you do. I, I, I can't speak like these other people. I'm, I'm still new to this. I, I'm still coming back. I, I don't know. Share your testimony. Start with where you were when Jesus found you. How many of you remember where you were when Jesus found you? How many of you remember the worst day of your life? Lift your hand. Remember, you remember the worst day of your life? You start there. And you work your way this way. Oh, yeah. I, I had some bumps in the road here, but, but he brought me out. Oh, yeah, I fell a couple of times along the way on the road. But, but, but guess what? He brought me out. Oh, yeah, there's been some other hard days. But you know what? I stand here as a testimony of the goodness, grace, and mercy of God. Jesus wants to deliver you so that you can make a difference. And I want to sow this word because I'm telling you by the Holy Ghost. That there's a shift happening here at PFAC. There's an atmospheric change that is happening in our church right this very minute. Where we're about to explode with revival and growth like we've never seen before. How can you be so bold, Pastor? Because the Holy Ghost already told me. As a matter of fact, Jesus has already showed me what it looks like. A thousand new souls come into this church. He showed me. 
Let me explain to you what that means. The end of last year, we were doing a, a census of our membership and how many members we have on the roll, how many folks that call PFAC home. And we prognosticated somewhere in between 900, almost 1,000 members. And so I said, okay, Lord, we've got 900, 1,000 members. We could very easily sit back and say, we're the biggest church. We've got good ministries. We've got amazing music. We've got amazing people. Let's just coast till the rapture. No way. I said, Lord, if we got a thousand, would you give us another thousand? Again, hear me. It has nothing to do with yours truly. And has everything to do with Jesus. Because when people are amazed, they're not going to say, well, look at PFAC. Nope. I pray they don't say that. I pray they say, look at what the Lord has done. He has done everything well, the people testify. I don't know how long it's going to take. It could take us a year, two years, ten years, or my entire pastorship if the Lord should tarry. But that's what I told the Lord. I said, we're not going to sit and cruise pat ourselves on the back, look down at other people, no way. We're going to go after more people. We're going to reach our city. We're going to reach this community with the life-changing gospel. And you want to know how we're going to do that? You. Me. When we go and tell people what Jesus has done for us. When we start using our breaks at work in a little bit more productive manner. When we start taking out some of our co-workers for lunch and say, let me, let me talk to you for a few minutes. You got a few minutes? Let me buy you a coffee and a bagel. Let me tell you what Jesus has done for me. When we start going to some family members' birthday parties and gatherings and say, hey, hey, guys, before it gets real loud, can I just tell you a few little things I want to share? Because you know what kind of family parties that we go to, right? Say, so, hey, let me tell you something real quick. Jesus delivered me. This is where I was on my worst day. And this is all that he's done for me. If he can do it for me, he can do it for you. That's the difference. And then what, preacher? Then you leave the rest to Jesus because he'll come behind you like the gathering and confirm the word with signs following. He delivers you so that you can make a difference. I wonder today how many of us in this building want Jesus to make a difference through our lives. How many of us have a testimony? How many of us have been delivered from something? All of us in this room have been delivered from something. But we were delivered to make a difference. I've got family members. I've got loved ones. I've got coworkers. I've got friends, neighbors that need what I have. I'm going to quit holding back. I'm going to quit being shy. I wasn't shy in the world. I wasn't quiet in the club. But now that I got saved, all of a sudden I'm too sophisticated now. When you were so drunk, you didn't remember what had happened. You'd end up in a jail cell somewhere. Man, that must have been a great night. 
but now Jesus has saved you. You don't want no one to know. Come on, my dear brother. It's time to change this around and make the devil a fool and say, look at what the Lord has done in my life. Look at what he's saved me from. So that Jesus could be glorified. Let the devil carry the embarrassment. Let the devil carry the shame. You walk in victory and you declare all the things that God has done in your life. So today I'm recruiting you. Today I'm recruiting you and commission you at the same time. Let's go. Let's go and tell some folks what Jesus has done. If you want to be a part of this, if you've got a testimony, if God's ever delivered you from anything and you want to make a difference with that testimony, I want you to come and stand here at this altar. Come on. God has delivered you from something. I want you to come. I got to tell somebody about it. I got to open up my home. And invite people to talk about what Jesus has done in my life. Why don't you come? And maybe there's somebody in this room today because the Holy Ghost is all over this sanctuary. There's glory all over this place right now. Maybe there's something that you need to be delivered from. Why don't you just squeeze in here as well? Just squeeze in here. This is for the delivered and those that need to be delivered. Why don't you come? Come, just squeeze in here. My God, I, I feel such a strong anointing. So thick. That's about to break some chains over people's lives. But also that same anointing is going to be on your life as you leave this sanctuary. To go tell some folks of the wonderful things that Jesus has done in your life. Come on. You've been delivered. And you need to tell somebody about it. Come down to this altar. Or maybe there's something you need to be delivered from. Maybe you can relate with the demoniac and say, I got a legion of situations in my life. I've got a legion of issues. Why don't you come? Why don't you come? The power of the Holy Ghost is already sweeping over this sanctuary and flooding this altar. Maria Shataya. Would you lift up your hands as high as you can here at this altar in the sanctuary? Somebody watching me online right now as well. Lift up those hands to heaven. In a few moments, we're going to release the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And that anointing is going to deliver, but it's also going to embolden. It's also going to enable. It's also going to empower somebody to walk out of this sanctuary with their testimony in hand, with their story in hand, ready to share it with somebody. Right now, Lord, by the authority of the Word of God and the power that is in the name of Jesus, let your anointing begin to penetrate every heart and every life under the sound of my voice.